everybody. Welcome into the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs, an exclusive home of Cubs checking. Open online today at wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. Tony Andrecki here with Andy Martinez. We've got Derek Lee behind us. we got Lee Smith here. Billy Williams and Ramos Ramirez jerseys are over there. We're in this new kind of lounge that's at the Marquee Studios. Um, we're kind of using it as our podcast studio today. Yeah. We, we could say it's our podcast studio moving forward. Yeah, right? let's just let's just dub it yep. that. Until someone else names it otherwise, it's the podcast studio. It's the Tony and Andy podcast studio. <laughs> gotcha. Um, so we have a, a packed podcast on tap here. We have the Brennan Davis interview. He play, is playing his uh, making his return, sorry, to affiliate ball. He was playing with Class A South Bend in West Michigan on Tuesday night. So we had Lance Brazowski caught up with Brennan Davis. That'll be later in the pod. That's an awesome interview. A little bit just about what Brennan has been experiencing for the last four months with his back injury. So that was really cool. Um, some other prospect news for you. And then just a bunch about the pitching staff, which we're gonna dive into first here, Andy. So I think the first note, Kyle Hendricks done for the season, not a surprise at all, but you were there as Hendricks met with the media on Monday night. What was kind of the gist and your takeaway from that? Yeah, it was, like you said, it wasn't a surprise. We knew that this was very much likely the the outcome. And, and he mentioned it was something that the injury just never healed like he kind of thought. He thought it was a four to six week, I believe, was the, was the time frame he gave. And then when they went in and looked at the MRI, the inflammation in the shoulder was still going on. And they kind of realized this might be a little bit more on the longer side. The goal is to for him to be able to pick up a ball and throw by the end of the season. Very uh, encouraging, given kind of how it all transpired. That you know, it could, you thought, well, is this going to be surgery? Is this going to be something that maybe spring training is delayed? All signs point to he will be good to go come spring training 2023. And he mentioned like he wants he can see kind of what's on the horizon with this Cubs team, and he wants to be a part of it. He doesn't want he he knows that. To be a part of it, he has to be healthy. He has to be pitching at a high level, and that's kind of what he wants to do. Yeah, for sure. And I think you know when he talks too. I didn't know. We just kind of always been hearing shoulder strain, and then yeah. to say there's a capture their tear. Like, yeah. I'm not a doctor, but like that sounds like a big deal, it sounds right? Sounds severe in yeah. your in your pitching shoulder. And you know he dealt with a little shoulder inflammation a few years ago. I, I forget if it was 18 or 19 during the, the middle of that season as well. That caught you know cost him about a month. But yeah, obviously a big deal. Um, but I think it, it is the right strategy all along that's what david ross was saying even before we heard from hendrix and before we knew about the shutdown is that he's probably going to be shut down because this is what's prudent this is what is best Mm -hmm. for him moving forward and to not try to get back and i don't want to use the term lost season because it's not there there's still plenty to play for over the next five and a half weeks but in terms of hendrix it is more important far more important that he comes back next year healthy versus you know, trying to get back at 80% or starting a, re- a rehab assignment at 70% or something like that, yeah. you know, ver- to just to get back this season and make sure that he is on the mound at Wrigley or whatever again. He's signed through next year. He's going to be in the Cubs next season. You know, we know this. What kind of pitcher he is, I think, is the unknown right now. Yeah. And, and we've seen for about two years, we've seen a guy with a four a high fours in ERA. That's not the Kyle Hendricks we had seen for six, seven years prior to that. So if he can get back to that form, if certainly him being healthy is the key to that, I think this rotation is in a much better spot. But but yeah, obviously health is the key. And then I, I did like what you said, you know, about he wants to be around this winning. He's always a positive guy. But the way you said that, that yeah. kind of stood out to me a little bit. Yeah, there was it wasn't just like, uh, oh, hey, you know, there's there's winning on the way. Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was like he kind of can see it. And we, we're going to get to it. 
the the five consecutive winning uh, the the five game winning streak, the five game consecutive series won. There's a lot of ancillary things that are coming up that you're like, okay, I see what he's saying, I see what he means, and he sees it too, and he wants to be a part of it. You're right, Kyle Hendricks is is a very upbeat guy, but he's not when he says something. It, it, you very much you kind of think about it a little bit more when he says it. Yeah, I mean, one of the positive, it really just overall organization-wide encouraging steps is the young pitchers that are coming up. Yeah. And it's it's something that we saw a little bit last year, but prior to that, we really haven't seen since Jed Hoyer and Theo Epstein have been in town. So we it's just been like wave after wave, yeah. right? Like Brandon Hughes was a pretty much unknown when he came up, unless you were really in the weeds on prospects. Same with guys like Javier Assad and Nicholas Padilla, who just came up and make their bi- made their big league debuts against the Cardinals in that doubleheader on Tuesday. So, yeah, you know, there are just, there are plenty of waves of guys coming. There's Jeremiah Estrada, who Lance Brasdowski broke down on, on our podcast last week with his prospect rankings. Um, you know, Ben Leeper, we saw Ethan Roberts a bit. Like, there are a lot of guys that are going to impact in the bullpen or in the rotation. But I think what was kind of cool is, one, obviously Assad had one of the best debuts, MLB debuts from a Cubs starter, the first time since Ryan O'Malley that somebody went four shutout innings. Yeah. There's a Ryan O'Malley reference for all you, for you all. Um, but It's on the bingo checklist. I yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then I forgot, I can't even remember some of the other names. There I, was I, like the very 1900s names, like yeah. Skip whatever like yeah. they were very 1900s baseball names yeah so it wasn't exactly like the greatest list that being said javier Assad pitched well he yeah. had been pitching very well in iowa before and this is a 25 year old that the cubs needed to 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 protect in the rule five draft this winter so it makes a ton of sense he's up here he's on the 40 man like where do you think he fits in and how, how do you feel like that first start went for him for him i thought it went really well especially when you think about it uh he mentioned he grew up watching Albert Pujols, Yadier Molina. Yeah. And if I think about it, I mean, I grew up watching them too. Yeah. If I had to face them, I, I know Yadier Molina is at the, in the last season and he's not, you know, the, the Hall of Fame caliber player that he once was. And, and Albert Pujols, you know, is, is chasing 700, but he's, he's kind of shown the flashes of slowing down. There's still something about getting into the on the mound and seeing Albert Pujols across the way, about seeing Yadier Molina across the way, about seeing Paul Goldschmidt yeah. across the way, about seeing Nolan Arenado. And to go out there and not only pitch four shutout innings, but then to work out of jam after jam after jam, that was to me what was most impressive. And I thought and a strikeout pools. Too. Yeah, That's and to strikeout pools yeah. as his first strikeout, which I asked him, I said, What are you gonna do with that ball? And he was he was all giddy and he said, uh, you know, I'm gonna box it up and I'm gonna keep that one safe and and, and protect that one. Uh, but the the other thing too that was it, to me was super impressive was just his poise afterwards where he said, I was called up for a reason. So that gave me the belief that hey, you know, we're equal. If they think I should be up here, then I am equal to Albert Pujols. Uh, does he have the pedigree? Uh, clearly not. Obviously not. He's, he's making his, his rookie debut. But to go out there and face them and have that confidence that, hey, I can get this guy out, that's huge when you're stepping up and making a, making your major league debut. Yeah, and, and I don't know exactly, you know, I'm not, I don't think where anybody's at the point where we're going to say Javier Assad is in the rotation sure. next year, right? Or even Nicholas Padilla is you know, this multi-inning reliever, which is what he is. He's a high strikeout guy, um, potential to go, you know, one, one plus, two innings if mm-hmm. needed. That That's who they've been, you know, so far to start. I don't know that Assad's in the rotation and Padilla's in the bullpen next year, but there are options and yeah. they're on the 40 man now. They will probably continue to be on the 40 man throughout this winter as a pair of 25 year old righties. And there's a lot of other guys that I think 
it really, it's almost, it's not necessarily a throw everything at the wall and see if it sticks kind of thing from the Cubs' perspective, but they're giving themselves a lot more opportunities by seeing what these guys have and seeing over the, the course of the next five weeks. And we've honestly even seen that since the trade deadline, right? Yeah. Like you trade four relievers, Scott Efros, uh, David Robertson, Michael Given, Chris Martin, all gone. Who's going to close out games? Who's going to be in the back end? Well, Brandon Hughes, who we already mentioned, has been phenomenal. Rowan Wick has been very good after a, you know, a mid-season blip there. Mm-hmm. Then Eric Gilman has been good. Michael Rucker, what is that, 2 ERA since two oh three ERA since he was recalled uh, at the beginning of August. Okay, so about 13 innings, right? Yeah. So, I mean, he's been doing well, and mm-hmm. we've seen him intermittently from last year. And he year worked out of the jam that Asad had, had, had uh, left, for lack of a better term, when he exited the game in the fifth inning. Like, we've, we've seen these, like, to go on to your point, We've seen that. Steven brought that. I know in the second game of the doubleheader against the Cardinals, he got he got uh, hit up a little bit, but he had gone. I believe it was like nine shutout innings yeah. since he had he, since he had started the year. That's another guy. There's been plenty of bullpen arms that that have been coming up and having success. Yeah, Sean Newcomb looks like a completely different guy yeah. who was you know up. The, they traded. Remember the Cubs in April traded uh, Jesse Chavez for Sean Newcomb, mm-hmm. and it was a former first round pick, a, a high pedigree guy, a guy who has had success too in the big leagues in a rotation, has a ring, you know, a, a big guy. But then he got hurt. He rolled his ankle, came back from for one outing in New York. Kind of got shelled a little bit, had to wear it a little bit, then got DFA'd, went down to AAA, really emerged as this multi-inning reliever. So he's another option. Your friend Mel Ray is thrown 90 miles an hour, so who knows what he can be, right? Um, no, but in all seriousness, there are a lot of pitchers coming up, and I think there's a few more coming after that as well. Like yeah. Jeremiah Estrada is one that I know is Real 5 eligible this winter. He is dynamic. I mean, he yeah. came in at 24 on, on Lance's you know, updated prospect rankings. So there are definitely guys that we will probably continue to see over the next five weeks. That's something that I'm absolutely going to be watching during that yeah. time. But I think, too, you know, the game two starter, Adrian Sampson in Tuesday's game, he is a guy, he, he didn't have the greatest outing. But I think overall to you, Andy, like, do you think that he's a guy that's earned a role for next year? Just with the way, it's not even just this year, but like last year, too, we've seen him pitch really well with the Cubs. Yeah, and he's one of those guys where he... Clearly, he wants to be starting. There's, there's no question about that. He came up as a starter, but he's proven that he can have success in a two, three inning role. In, in you know, if, if someone, if someone goes down and they need someone to, to cover length, Adrian Sampson can do that. He can start. We've seen it, and he's been very successful this year up until you know the last couple outings, he, he where he kind of got hit around, especially that that game against the Cardinals. He's been really, really effective locating his pitches. He's not a, he's not going to blow you away with 98, 99, yeah. but he's going to throw a 92 mile an hour sinker that's going to run a lot, and then you're going to you're going to get on top of it, and you're going to grind out to second base. He's been he, he's shown his worth, and something that you know you need guys like that, yeah. especially if you can, if you still have a lot of young pitchers. Like there's there's a lot there's a lot of things that go in with young pitchers, whether it's you know, innings caps, whether it's just learning to be a big league or going through rough patches, having someone like Adrian Sampson that can come in, either start, either cover innings, that's huge for for, uh, for a pitching staff. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, I mean, this we're not talking about ace status, right. but like, and maybe not even top five next year. I guess it remains to be seen what the Cubs do this winter. But I think Sampson is absolutely, you know, maybe six or seven in the rotation. He's a, he's the kind of guy you need. He's the kind of guy that championship teams need. Like yeah. Theo talked about it, and Jed has always talked about it since he's been here. 
You don't go into a season thinking you have five starters. You go in thinking that you have eight or nine yeah. or ten, knowing that you're going to need to call on some of these guys. I believe Samson has, has minor league options as well, so I think he's kind of the perfect guy to, to fit that role. And we've seen Alec Mills do it a bit too, that multi-inning relief outing. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have any options, and he's been hurt all year and, and you know struggled with ineffectiveness when he has been out there. But, yeah, Samson might be a guy that could kind of fill into that, that Mills-type role that we've seen from the last couple of seasons. So. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, and and, and it, like you mentioned to that point, that's extremely valuable. You you need that. We've seen any you know any numerous of playoff contending teams where they've had guys. The Dodgers, for all their their greatness, you know their rotation. Dustin May has has been has just come up. Tony Gonsolin. We saw Walker Buehler's getting yeah. Tommy John surgery. Like you you can't you can't count on five. You can't even count on six guys in your rotation. Yeah, right. Andrew Heaney pitched well and then missed like three months. Clayton yeah. Kershaw, I think, has been on the aisle a bit yeah. this year. Like Dodgers, you know, arguably the best roster in the league. I've probably used 11 or 12 starters this yeah. year. So, yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, when we're looking at the rotation for next year, Andy, we got, let's say, Marcus Stroman, Justin Steele are two guys for sure. Again, we're not quite sure exactly where Hendricks fits in. You know, if, if Hendricks is your three and he's back to who he was before, like, great. If they sign somebody else and Hendricks maybe you're like four or five, like, again, that's awesome. The Cubs yeah. have to be feeling good. Keegan Thompson, I think, you know, he's, he's dealing with a little bit of fatigue. He's proven that he can start. He also has proven he can be like an elite-level reliever. Yeah. So there are different options there. But Justin Steele, to me, is, is the most intriguing. His journey really for two months now he has been the best starting pitcher in the national league he has there's the only person in baseball that has a better era for two months after steel's last start was dylan cease and then dylan cease got rocked a little bit a couple days ago for the white Sox. so justin Steele has been the best pitcher in baseball now really since late july so about two months stretch like it's been remarkable it's been while he's thrown far and away the most innings in a professional season he, he doesn't look like he's slowing down at all no, it, it seems like he's getting better, yeah, if anything, which yeah. is, you know, if you're an opposing hitter, you're kind of, that's kind of scary. The, the impressive thing with him is, is he's getting strikeouts, he's getting ground ball outs, he's doing a little bit of everything. He is just proving that he can be a, a, a really, really, really solid major league starter, and you need that. You mentioned Marcus Stroman and Kyle Hendricks, the two veterans. If Justin Steele continues this and you go into the offseason healthy and, you know, kind of well-rested, that bodes well for the rotation moving forward. You mentioned Keegan Thompson kind of, you know, suffering from fatigue. Justin Steele's getting a little bit stronger with with his with uh, with time as time goes yeah. on. If you have that, that's huge. Being able to know, hey, I went through a whole major league season. I went healthy. Oh, and by the way, look at August and July and and maybe September. Look at the numbers that he put up. Like that's huge for your confidence level. That's huge for 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 the team moving forward, where you can say, hey. I think we can pencil in Justin Steele moving forward in the rotation. No questions, no concerns about him at all. Yeah, and I think the big thing, too, with Steele is, like, I've always thought he could do it. I always yeah. thought he could be a four, five, maybe sometimes six-inning starter. Yeah. He looks like a guy that could be a seven-inning starter at times. From what you said, he can get the strikeouts, and then he can pitch to contact. Yeah. And, you know, I know that advice from John Lester maybe a little bit overblown, but also something that he talked about was helpful. Ian Happ talked about just using the four-seam into right-handed hitters because teams do stack a decent amount of righties against mm-hmm. Steele. But, yeah, he looks like a guy that just he, – he said that he's learning how to read swings, and he feels much different in that regard even than he was earlier this year, right? Like yeah. how much he's learned in the five months 
bodes so well for him, for his future. The fact that he's, what, I think just turned 27 yeah. like a month ago. Like, he he is a huge part of this team moving forward. Yeah, and he, He's a dad now. Thank you, Scotty, for reminding us about that. I mean, he's got dad, <laughs> dad strength. strength. Yep, yes. yep. And, and to your point, I remember earlier in the season he met, I think it was, it was either right before this run that he's been on started or right when it was starting. It was kind of around that time he mentioned, I think he went like seven innings and he said, uh, you know, I want to have a, I want to have that CG where his exact words. Yeah. He didn't say complete yeah. game. He said, I want that CG. And I'm like, wow, that's like really ambitious. Cause yeah. especially just in the modern, not even like wh- whatever he does uh, set aside, just the modern game. We don't see many, like when you see a com- complete game, you're like, wow, like that guy, that guy pitched nine innings. Yeah. We don't see that. And, and, and when he said it, it was kind of like, well, you know, just given what the, the you know, his situation. Now I'm like, he might be able to throw a complete game anytime soon. Just the way he's going at it. that And that's kind of shown how he's grown. Where it was, when he said it, it was kind of like, oh, okay, like very confident. And now it's like, you know, it's, it's definitely possible. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I think that when you're talking about positives from this Cubs season, I think Justin Steele, Nico Horner, they may be the two biggest positives yeah. if you're looking for hope for the future about what kind of steps like th- this has really kind of been a breakout year for both of these yeah. guys for sure and uh we're going to take a quick break when we come back we're going to talk about a guy who may be the breakout pick for next year brennan davis he's he chats with lance brozdowski a little bit just about this back injury what it was like dealing with it and then you know now that he's coming back what he hopes to do over the next four or five weeks of the minor league season get your win trust exclusive debit card get your cubs card Ooh, i'll take one how much actually they pay you three hundred dollars you heard right get a three hundred dollar bonus when you open a cubs checking account with win trust enjoy all perks and purchase with pride every time with your win trust cubs debit card three hundred Get your exclusive card at wintrust.com slash cubs. Only $100 required to open. No monthly minimum balance and no monthly maintenance fees. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. On the road with the South Bend Cubs in West Michigan, and I'm honored to be joined by Brennan Davis, outfielder for the Cubs organization. Brennan, it's awesome to have you back <laughs> at a full season affiliate. Tonight you'll be playing your first game at a full season affiliate since May 3rd in mm-hmm. Iowa. How fantastic is it to be here? Uh, you have no idea. It's unbelievable to be back and to make it through the rehab process and get on the other side of things. Yeah, and you alluded to it a little bit there, but you went down with a back injury, had some back surgery. So mm-hmm. let's kind of take us back, take fans and Cubs fans back to when this all kind of popped up and maybe what you felt that led you to the process of having to go under the knife. Yeah, so um, I would say it kind of started in spring training a little bit. So I was nursing, nursing a little back pain. Didn't know what it was. Like I did all the corrective stuff I could to like stay on the field and push through it. Like I wasn't gonna let a little back pain sideline sure. me because I had big goals this year. But um, going into going into April, like it was really cold in Iowa and like nothing was really helping. And it got to the point where I was having just awful, awful sciatic pain. Oh man! To the point where like my right foot was numb. So that was the point where I was like, I need to like take a step back, reevaluate, like really see what's going on because I want to have a long career not just this season so that was kind of the point where I took a step back and I had the team doctors take a look at me Mm -hmm. and it sounds like you went through some MRIs didn't really show too much and then eventually Mm -hmm. you guys opted for surgery what did the surgery show yeah so I mean I had probably like six MRIs that came back like a herniated disc so I had herniated disc surgery Mm mm-hmm to clean up like some of the debris that was in there, some of the herniation. They went in, they ended up not finding any herniation of the disc, so there's no spinal issue. But 
there was still the sciatic pain, so they were like, well, what was going on? And then they found like a cluster of blood vessels. So it was kind of weird. It was a strange one. It's called a vascular malformity. Mm-hmm. It's a, just a genetic, genetic thing that popped up. And by cauterizing some blood vessels getting into my back, it actually cleared up, cleared up the pain. So they didn't really do anything. All they did was open me up. So that's good. So there's no disc no. issue, no muscular issue. How relieved are you to hear that? It was it was one of those two one two percenters, and I, I got really lucky. That's fantastic stuff. Yeah. The rehab process, I imagine, just trying to figure out what the injury was was mental grind for you. But I mean, take was, me through the mental state you were in. It was awful because I was in so much pain, and like I wanted to be in the right situation to get back out on the field and have the right people in my in my operating room if that was the kind of thing that I was going to do. I got really lucky with with the Cubs and and my agency. They put me in the right hands to to have a very successful surgery. That's fantastic to hear. The process of going through, obviously, rehab and everything. I imagine with some back surgery, you can't really be too explosive. So did you drop weight? Have you regained that weight? Uh, how do you feel in terms of being fit to play? Yeah, um, I, I think it's it's kind of the compromise between, like, I'm not as strong as I was in spring training because it's it's a process to get back. But I'm I'm at the point where I'm, I'm healthy enough to play baseball and I want to be able to get my at-bats and some reps and ultimately help the team win and and do what I can and the strength will come back in no time it's just going to take some time all right so I got to ask your mom's a big part of your life what advice mm-hmm. did she have for you as you were going through everything yeah she was she was there 100 percent of the way she 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 prayed every day we prayed every day and and I mean I wouldn't have been able to do without her she was she was the backbone and she she's she's my rock it's amazing. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you had big goals. I imagine mentally, in terms of the progression of your career, you were pretty mm-hmm. close to the major leagues being at Iowa. There was probably some speculation you didn't end up at Wrigley mm-hmm. Field this year. Those plans have been derailed a little bit, but mm-hmm. where's kind of your track going forward now? How do you feel yourself running into the offseason into next season? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think getting back this year and showing that I'm healthy is huge. And it's it's honestly just development. I'm, I'm going to continue to get better and, and be the player that I know I can be and I know the Cubs know I can be. So... That's that's my progression, and wherever the cards may lay next year, that that's I just want to be at the best best possible spot for myself and the team next year. One of the biggest positives has to be rejoining some of your friends, Cole Franklin, mm-hmm. you're good friends with. I imagine you knew PCA, Pico Armstrong from yeah. spring training, Owen Casey, a lot of these guys. Mm-hmm. I know you're a young guy, but it almost feels like you're coming in here as a <laughs> grandfather of sorts. Do you, do you feel will, that motivation? Yeah. <laughs> I will say this is my fourth year touching South Bend, so I've, <laughs> I'm a vet. Hopefully the last. <laughs> Hopefully the last. But, it, I mean, it's awesome. I love being around the guys. That's the hardest part about being in Arizona is you're away from the team. Like, you know they're grinding. You're also grinding, but you're grinding kind of isolated. So it's nice to rejoin the guys and be in a winning atmosphere again. Back in Double A last year, you were giving out Oppo Taco T-shirts to guys who hit opposite field homers. I don't know if you brought any with you. Are you doing something like that? How are you building the camaraderie around these guys? Hey, we'll see what the we'll see what the team mojo is here. <laughs> last year, the the whole hitting approach was go opposite field, and you got to reward the guys when they do the right thing. So mm-hmm. we'll we'll get something going. <laughs> There's been some rumors and speculation that potentially you got on to the Arizona Fall League. I don't know if those invites have been mm-hmm. sent or clarified, but is that something you see as a progression moving forward potentially after South Bend? Yeah, I think this month goes great. I think the Fall League's definitely a, a good spot for me to get some more at-bats and continue to develop and grow as a player. Mm-hmm. And your goals going forward, man, is it just to stay healthy and feel good? Stay healthy, get stronger, feel good, and be the best version of myself. 
Yeah, that was great stuff from Lance, and you know he did a great job. Scott Shagnon, our producer here, was was behind the camera as well. And I, honestly, I, first of all, I'm always kind of struck by Brennan Davis. He looks like a big leaguer in so many regards. Yeah. Like he looks like it on the field, but he looks like it like whenever he talks and whenever you know we've had the opportunity to talk to him him in person. He just he has like a great smile. He's the composure. Composure that's a great word for it. The way he just talks about things, and he's just very thoughtful. So I I enjoyed that aspect of it. I also enjoyed like hearing about this injury and you know they, they didn't know what was going on they thought it was a herniated disc he had like six mris or whatever they found out it wasn't a herniated disc it was kind of a blood vessel issue and just by opening him up they kind of fixed it and the pain went away but he was talking about he was in a lot of pain and, and that really impacted i'm sure he didn't really say it but i'm sure it impacted the first four weeks of the season before he even underwent surgery so um for the cubs top prospect like consensus number one prospect I think by almost every outlet, he's certainly number one on Lance's mid uh, midseason update. For him to be back, for him to have four or five weeks left in the minor league season, wh- what's next for him? What are we going to see from him over that month and a half? Yeah, well, we saw him in South Bend, and and Jared Banner, the the Cubs VP of player development, mentioned that there was didn't want to throw him right from the Arizona Complex League into AAA, just given. You think about AAA, single A, double A, all the affiliated balls, except for the Arizona Complex League, have the the pitch clock, and yeah. there's there's definitely you know the getting used to that, getting reacclimated to that, um, having to deal with hey you know I, I've got I've got to get in the box and I've got to hit right away, just getting used to that. They thought it was better for him to go to South Bend and kind of get get adjusted to that. It seems like South Bend's going to be a very quick pit stop for him if all things go well. Then it'll be AAA, and then after that, they want the Jared Banner. The Cubs want the Cubs, want uh, Brennan Davis to get to continue to get reps, to continue to get abs, and that's probably going to come in the Arizona Fall League yep. again, provided he's all healthy and, and can do that. And we saw what happened with Nelson Velasquez in, in the Arizona Fall League last year. We saw what Caleb Killian did. It's a, it's big for for the guys, and, and it'll be big for him, especially given all the all the plate appearances, all the at bats that he missed this year because of that back injury. Yeah, and it was kind of cool, like you mentioned, just his pit stop in South Bend, but like Pico Armstrong, he's yeah. in outfield. Pico Armstrong and Owen Casey, who are yeah. three of the, the top ten, you know, I, I forget exactly where Casey, he was like four or five or yeah. whatever, or five I think on the list after Jordan Wicks. Um, so three of the top five Cubs prospects were there in the same outfield. Like, yeah. that's pretty cool. And, and they all took a picture. Scott Shagnon shot the picture. And, and that's like, that's really cool and a great glimpse into the future. PCA and and Casey are probably a couple years away. Brendan Davis is not. This is a guy that a lot of people thought. And and if he's being honest with himself, I'm sure he probably thought that he would be in Chicago at some point this year. Not going to happen now. I don't know if it'll happen at opening day or anything next year, but he's a guy that will probably be a factor at some point next year, health permitting, because he has shown so you know his skill set across the board it sure seems like it'll translate and it seems like he can be a guy that can have an impact in the big leagues yeah definitely and you know i think uh, you had uh, everything gone according to plan we might have already seen him now or we might have seen him a couple of days when when september when the calendar turns yep. to september but definitely a guy that we at some point if everything goes well and then there's no more setbacks there's no reason why he won't be playing at Wrigley Field here uh, come come 2023. Yeah, and another guy we could see pretty soon is Alexander Canario. Mm-hmm. He just got promoted from Double A AA to Triple A. Dude has just been absolutely raking this yeah. season. I mean, he's up to 31 homers, I think, yeah. right now. He got a hit in his first at bat or first game, sorry, with Triple A Iowa, just kind of an opposite field single. 
but he he has been so impressive across the board and uh what he's been able to do with the power department really stands out but what he's been able to do with the strike zone judgment yeah. i know is something that jared banner said was the the most intriguing part i think the organization is most excited about that yeah they 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 knew they had someone with pop they knew they had someone that could could hit the ball really really far but knowing that judgment that's what separates you know that that as it's known the quote-unquote 4a player from yeah. a major leaguer and that's huge. It's seemingly like every single day this whole season. It seemed like oh, there's another tweet on Twitter, another tweet. Alexander Canario hit another yeah. home run. Alexander Canario hit another home run. To see him rewarded with this AAA appearance is pretty, is is very rewarding for him. It's very rewarding for the Cubs, and and that could be a really great pickup from from last year's trade deadline. Um, that you look back and say, wow, that that was that was a really good one for for the Cubs. Yeah, definitely, and and also the fact that he's already on the forty man roster. Yeah. Like Brandon Davis technically isn't yet; he will be added absolutely this winter. But Canario already is on the forty man roster, so like he, you know, one of the eat kind of whatever. Um, the office type things that you have to do to kind of check those boxes, the yeah. administrative type stuff to get to Wrigley Field. Like he's already checked one of those boxes and being yeah. on the roster. So he's definitely a guy that that I'm going to be looking for at some point in 2023. Again, I don't necessarily think opening day. I think that's probably unrealistic. But at some point down the season, he could be in the outfield as well. So, I mean, you're talking like Seiya Suzuki, Brennan Davis maybe like, uh, Christopher Morrell, Ian Happ, Alexander Canario, Nelson, like Velasquez. Nelson Velasquez. There are six legit outfield options that by this time, by August of 2023, that could be making their way around the Cubs area. Exactly, exactly. And that's the huge thing. And another prospect that, you know, Jared Banner talked about was Miguel Amaya. Mm-hmm. He was playing in A Tennessee, strictly DHing. He had Tommy John surgery last year and was recovering, so he hasn't been behind the plate. And then he went down with an injury, I believe it was, uh, I want to say like midweek last week. Yeah. And there was a little bit of concern because he came out of the game. It seems like everything will be fine. It seems like the, the plan is still for him to continue to get at-bats. And probably another guy we, that the Cubs will see, that you can see in the Arizona Fall League, uh, to continue to get bats. And then next year, it's going to be huge. It's a big year for him to see what he can do behind the plate. We know the, the changes that are coming with mm-hmm. the with the the automated strike zone potentially down the road, what that could mean for him to, to kind of continue to get those at bats is huge for him to, as he develops and, and eventually, cause this is a prospect that, you know, just a couple of years ago was the cream of the crop of the Cubs prospect class. So to see him getting back healthy, that's, that's huge for the Cubs. Yeah. And he is another guy on the 40 man roster as well. Yeah. So talk about that administrative, like checklist yeah. thing. Like he absolutely has that. So, um, yeah, so that bears watching I, again, I, Maybe another guy that August or something, mid-season next year in 2023, we could see Jordan Wicks. I don't know exactly how far away he is. He's in double-A now, been promoted there. Um, He was removed from his last start for precautionary reasons. Cubs aren't super concerned about that, so that's kind of a good sign for where, you know, he's number four on Lance's list, the number one pitcher on the list, Jordan Wicks is. Um, So, you know, definitely encouraging sign there. And then Matt Mervis, you know, a little bit before we came in to record this podcast, he hit his 25th homer this season. Earlier in the game, he drove in his 95th run of the season. Earlier before that, he hit his 35th double. So you're talking about a guy who has 62 extra base hits now because he has two triples and he has 95 RBI. Like this guy is just absolutely mashing. He he is not on the 40 man yet. I don't believe he needs to be added even yet just based off of where he was uh, signed as an undrafted free agent in 2020, but at AAA, he's knocking at the door. He also, uh, you know, throwing all these out there, like there are so many names, yeah. pitchers and position players, that he also is another guy maybe we see sometime next summer. I mean, there, is it out of the realm of possibility to say no. maybe even come September, you know, 
you never know what might happen. And if he continues to do this, it's, it's hard to say, you know, if, if for whatever reason there's an injury or whatever you need, you need the extra, the extra body. Like it's, I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to think that he could potentially be up. Uh, but at, for sure, come next summer, that's definitely at the very least a guy that's in the conversation to be playing at some point here across the street at Wrigley. And I think one of the big things, too, not only do I love the story, I, I love that the Cubs rolled out the red carpet for him, right? Like yeah. Dan Kantrovitz talked on the on a, you know an earlier podcast about this, but just Mervis was a guy that they only had the five-round draft in 2020, and he was a guy that they like really kind of recruited. And yeah. there was like front office don't necessarily get recruiting for like prospects and, and draftees like yeah. that. So it was kind of cool that he was like their first call after the draft ended. He was a guy they really f- believed in and, and liked but another big thing is like they don't necessarily have anybody holding on the fort at first base in the future and they don't have too much in the way of left-handed hitting yeah and especially left-handed power so yeah. like these are three kind of areas that a 24 25 year old like him check check exactly so so he's a guy that like you know he's exploded this year he is now on lance's top prospect list that wasn't before so absolutely bears and not watching. just on it he jumped up to number 12 i believe it is 12 or 13 yeah, yeah so like right in that right in the thick of it yeah for sure so uh absolutely bears watching but you know as we're just talking about all these storylines and who might be up in september and who's not any to me i think the biggest thing is you know just even since the all-star break this team is significantly above 500 and that includes a couple losses to the cardinals already this week before we did this podcast but like you know, they have a, a plus run differential over that time. And really, if you're looking at it, there's like a 60-game stretch. I think they're 30-30, and 30, if I remember correctly, from this time. They're like 30-30 and 30 in their last 60 games. Um, so this is a team that is like on the cusp, but we're seeing a lot of positive developments. And it's these young players. It's, it's a lot of depth guys coming up. Uh, it's, you know, Nico Horner taking that step. It's Justin Steele. I mean, at this time last year, after the trade deadline, it, two totally different trade deadlines. Yeah. But the the there were some games that were admittedly very hard to watch. Yeah. And and the there just wasn't the pitching that was keeping the team in team in games. Now even after dealing away four relievers, like they're in a lot of games. Yeah. Yes, Fran Mill Reyes had to pitch in game two of the doubleheader. Other than that, they're even the losses they're in and this team has been winning and they're they won five straight series as you said. Like there's a lot of momentum that is starting to build across the street at Wrigley. Yeah, that's definitely the the case. Like there's, you could make the argument that they should have swept the Brewers over the weekend. Yeah. That, that they could have it could have been six in a row and a sweep over a team that's really really chasing a playoff spot. That's really chasing the Cardinals. That that needs every win it can get. And if you're a Brewers fan, you're seeing you know a, a quote unquote you know struggling Cubs team. You those are the ones you circle that you need to take two out of three. To lose two out of three, that's that's tough for the Brewers. But you mentioned it. The that in that Brewer series, that first game, I believe it was eight to seven, the final score. They rallied and rallied and rallied. Yeah. And each time it was like, it's like, oh, oh, the Brewers took the lead. This is where they're. This is where you know they they get it. And the Cubs just battled the back. They came back. Then the next day, they have that extra inning game. We've seen what their struggles have been like in extra inning games. They, they've struggled all season in, in extra inning games. They went to the 11th inning, got the, 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 the clutch hit from Wilson Contreras to walk it off. And after the game, I asked David Ross, I said, you know, you all season, the, everyone's been talking about creating a winning culture, creating a winning environment, you know, winning multiple, you know, winning championships and having that, that kind of presence around it. And I said, I asked him, I said, you know, this is the kind of game, right, that it feels like it's you're rewarded. And he mentioned, he, you know, he mentioned, yeah, it's we've been doing this all season and to finally get rewarded is huge. And then the next day he mentions, you know, we're not as far as people yeah. think we are. 
And they all believe that internally. They too. all believe it internally. And now we're seeing the outward signs. And you're seeing the play on the field. You're seeing Nico Horner play gold glove, gold glove level defense. Wow, that was a mouthful. Yeah. Uh, we're seeing Nick Madrigal, the player that they thought they acquired uh, when they, they made the Kimbrel trade last year. You're seeing him perform. Uh, you're seeing Framiel Reyes. Reyes, a yeah. waiver claim that they took a flyer on just mash every single you know, I think when he got here I think it was his first six games he had an extra base hit uh you know you're seeing the signs of of that success that they they have been preaching and they've they've been saying and you're seeing the we're not close you're seeing it transpire here Keegan Thompson Justin Seal too the the other the other pitchers that we talked about earlier right plus I mean Marcus Stroman and Sayo Suzuki yeah. the two big free agent you know splashes that the Cubs made prior to this 2022 season here so yeah uh, um you know, I think there are a lot of positive signs, and I, I love what Ross was saying about that, but also what Nico Horner was saying, and uh, in that you can't just flip a switch and yeah. expect to win. You have to, it, it takes, it's like muscle memory. Like, you yeah. have to build it up. You have to do it together, too. Yeah. And I think the Cubs feel like this is a group that together, especially on the position player front, by and large, I think on the pitching front, too, but maybe they'll add a few arms, maybe in the bullpen or whatever in the offseason, but like, you know, it, maybe they're adding one, two bats. We don't quite know what they're going to do this winter. But by and large, like, this is a big group of guys on position player front that is going to be playing together next year, and they hope winning together. So Ian Happ got them together in Baltimore for that quick stop, wanted to do, like, this team meeting mostly with the position players just to talk about this is, like, this is what we expect. This is what we want to do. Yes, we're out of it. Yes, we're not going to make the playoffs. Fangraph's odds are 0% right now for the Cubs to make it. But – we want to win, and we want to show this to free agents. We want to show it to ourselves, and we want to start building this culture right now. And I think he and Nico are at the forefront of that. So, I, one, I think that's really cool. Two, I also think that that's like this development and growth that we've seen from both Hap and Nico as leaders. Yeah, and Nico Horner especially, you know, I, I think we kind of – we saw bits and pieces just in the, his mannerisms or the way he spoke that, you know, this could – this kind of few years could be, you know, the real leader of the Cubs – and it wasn't a few years. It was more like a few weeks. Yeah. It's like this guy is the leader of the team. And, and, you know, just in his actions and his play, like like I mentioned, one of my favorite things about sitting in the press box is just seeing Nico Horner. When Some of these plays that look awesome on TV look even more incredible yes. from the press box when you see him take the route he does or the angle he does where you see the ball and you think, oh, base it up the middle. And it's like, oh, he got that guy out. Yeah. The Christian Yelich play against the Brewers, one of the, one of the better plays I've seen live. That I mean, it's just it's just incredible to have seen Nico Horner grow from what he was, you know, even this time last year to what he is now. Yeah, for sure. And and you know, I think too, like yes, they've been winning and stuff to this point. We don't exactly know how that's going to play out. We we were just talking even before we did this. Like they're in the middle of the Cardinal series as we're recording this podcast. Then they go to Milwaukee. Then they go to Toronto. Then they go to St. Louis. It's you know, a daunting like, stretch. It is a very daunting stretch. If they can get through that, they do have you know some more games against the Pirates and Reds and stuff coming up for sure after that. So we'll see. Definitely a lot that bears watching over the next five weeks. Andy and I will have you covered at the Cubs Weekly Podcast every week. We'll break it down. That'll do it for this edition of the podcast presented by Wintrust. Don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And check us out in video form on the Marquee Sports Network app and on YouTube. Thanks for tuning in.